Hello and welcome to Cali Formula One. My name is Jojo Joseph and welcome back to all our listeners. Uh, we are coming to you uh, as we preview France, uh, coming to you from California, San Diego, California, as usual. And we are going to be moving into previewing France, the first of a triple header on the Formula One circuit. Uh, we're coming off uh, a pretty insane race, as we've all saw with Baku. Um, here in America, it was actually, or here in the United States, I should say, for everyone internationally in the United States, this was the uh, most-watched Formula One race ever. Uh, it was that crazy. Um, a lot of people were tweeting, talking about it. Uh, even though it was at 5 in the morning, a lot of people got up to watch this one. A lot of people paid attention uh, just because of the sheer um, uh, presence of the race on social media uh, attracted a lot of people. And I think a lot of them watched the replay later on in the day. So um, there was quite a, quite a bit of a motion here in the United States, I'm sure, everywhere else in the world. Um, it was the same way. So um, we're going to talk about France. We're going to kind of do a slight recap of where every driver and the teams are, a little bit of news uh, coming into uh, this week. Um, but, yeah, we're pretty excited about France. I know some people aren't excited about the circuit, the layouts, the runoffs and everything. Uh, I like it. Um, you know, I'm expecting big things. I think it should be a, a, a still an exciting race. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as um, uh, as restrictive as Monaco. Uh, it's not going to be like some of the, the better tracks. But that being said, I still think with the teams being where they are, where they're matched up, you should see great qualifying sessions and you should see a lot of good racing uh, coming into this week. Uh, just to recap now, we're just kind of going to go back through everything. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Max Verstappen is leading the driver's standings by a mere four points. Um, as we mentioned in Baku, uh, him and Lewis uh, went into Baku uh, with a, a bit of a fight on their hands, and in one of the most dramatic moments in recent Formula 1 history, if not ever in Formula 1 history, uh, Max comfortably leading uh, crashes out of the race because of a tire issue, um, and then Lewis with the chance to win, um, or at least get a nice sizable uh, collection of points to, to, to move up ahead in the championship standing, uh, inexplicably uh, ran off uh, on the race restart. Um, you know, later they said that it was a button, he, he pushed the wrong button, and uh, his brakes failed because of that, you know, going into the turn, a rare mistake from the seven-time world champion. Uh, so to see both drivers, uh, you know, sitting on cloud nine and then come crashing down to earth uh, one after the other within minutes of each other was uh, pretty daunting. And then to see Sergio Perez uh, come through and, and, and take that podium, that that win and Sebastian Vettel on the podium, uh, it was definitely a crazy race. Uh, it definitely shaped up, uh, even though the top two stayed the same, it did shape up for a pretty exciting uh, next phase of the Formula One circuit. Uh, going into this, you know, like I said, Max Verstappen, four, uh, four-point lead uh, right now. Uh, he still has the momentum. You know, I know people were saying, you know, it was it was a, it was a terrible letdown for him, but uh, there's nothing that Red Bull uh, has uh, has shown that's going to show that they're falling off pace or not going to be able to compete uh, at all. So, uh, you know, Pirelli came and they did an investigation onto his tire failure. The same thing happened to Lance Stroll as well, where inexplicably both tires failed. Probably came back and said it was the way that uh, how Red Bull and Aston Martin were running the tires, that they were running the tires different than the other teams, which is why they had those failures. I don't know if that's you know suitable to Christian Horner um, or or Lawrence Stroll. Uh, you know if that's then they're going yeah it was our fault 
that our teams didn't know how to race the tires that you gave us. But that was what Pirelli said after their investigation. Um, needless to say, uh, all the teams will probably be paying attention uh, a little bit closer to how they race their tires moving forward because uh, both race, both crashes uh, were very scary. It's one of those things where, you know, it, it, you know, a puncture, you know, driving at that speed is unexpected uh, for anyone. Uh, but just to have that sudden loss of control, um, it's just really, really scary. So, you know, to sit there and say, like, okay, you know, we... Um, you know, we investigated it and this is what you're doing wrong. Okay, great. Uh, but, you know, all the teams have to be a little bit snake bait going, okay, well, hopefully everything is okay. Hopefully we're able to, you know, race these tires to their, to their fullest and, um, you know, be able to, to um, you know, get down to actual racing because, you know, tires are a very big part of strategy. They're a big, very big part of winning. Uh, tire management is very important. Lewis Hamilton does it very, very well. Um, you know, other drivers have to do it better. Uh, but when you see something with like Max, for example, where he was absolutely nursing the tires, he was well ahead, he was winning the race and nursing the tires, and then you still get a puncture like that, that definitely will mess with you. Um, but that being said, that you know they're blaming Red Bull, but Red Bull didn't do anything wrong. They're going to be fine. Uh, you know, as you head into the standings, uh, as you head into the next week, I'm sorry. Um, you know, uh, they look for the same. They're going to come out swinging for qualifying. Uh, Max is going to sit there and do everything to get on pole. He's going to come out aggressively at the start of the race. He's going to look to build a lead. Red Bull's going to have their pit stops down. They're going to have their strategy on point. So we're, we're expecting big things from both Max and last uh, last week's uh, winner, uh, Sergio Perez. So, um, yeah, both of them should be doing really good. They're both racing really well. You know, you can't say enough about how both of them are doing. Red Bull, as I mentioned in the last podcast, finally has uh, the ability to have two drivers compete against Lewis Hamilton as opposed to the other way around. So, you know, with Mercedes moving on to them, that's a little bit where their struggle is. The car, it seems to be definitely better than people expected. When you saw what happened in testing where people were saying, oh my gosh, the car's well off the pace. They've competed, they've won races, they've been in the running. Um, at least Lewis has. Lewis has been in the running. Valtteri Bottas has not. And so now you see this reversal where uh, you know, Mercedes has one great driver up at the front, and their B driver is pretty much nowhere to be seen. Uh, having terrible races, do not finishes. You know, Valtteri's had three podiums, which is great for him. Um, you know, but he also should be doing a little bit better as far as you know uh, other races. You know, the, you know, finishing out of the points or not finishing at all uh, definitely does not go very well with that team. It definitely affects your strategy, um, and as I've said before, you know, to be able to have, uh, you know, to be able to be up there competing and, you know, using that strategy of the undercut, the overcut, you know, blocking defense, um, you know, even if you're out of the championship standings, which at this point he's sixth, uh, you still need to be up there with your teammate. Red Bull finally has a driver that's able to do that, um, and, you know, we'll see if, if Valtteri comes back with a vengeance. You know, he's had two retirements this year. But last race finishing 12th uh, with dismal, dismal performance. Uh, so we expect a little bit better uh, from him. Um, you know, someone else who's doing really, really well, on the other hand, is Lando Norris. Lando's in fourth place. Uh, the McLaren team um, looks to be doing really, really well. Uh, you know, with Daniel, he's still not where he needs to be. But that being said, you know, he had a points finish in his last race as well. Uh, but really seems to be that eyes are on Lando as, you know, McLaren is rolling through the season uh, when you look at the constructor standings, uh, you know, they're, they're at number four right now. And, you know, part of them should say, yes, we're happy about this, but they're also kind of going, man, the reason we're at four is because 
one driver isn't keeping up with the other one. If Daniel managed to keep up with Lando, we would be even closer to the number two team, which is Mercedes. Um, but they're two points behind Ferrari, which is a bit of a surprise, uh, you know, but I don't think that they could be beat themselves too much about it. I think that they're shaping up to have a good rest of the season. It really comes down to whether it's Daniel is able to uh, finally get control of this car and drive it the way he wants to drive it. There, there seems to be a lot of talk that he does not ha- – uh, the car doesn't drive the same as the uh, Renault-slash-Alpine car he drove last year. Um, and so, you know, he's having issues with that. Um, you know, whether he's gotten used to it or is not going to get used to it or who knows, we'll see. Uh, but there is a comparable difference, as we've mentioned, with Lando Norris. Lando, I mean, looking, you know, he's had two podiums this year. Um, you know, only one race he didn't finish in the top five, and that was in Spain. Uh, but every other race he's done very, very well. And so, you know, you're looking at him. He's, he's locked in uh, to McLaren for a long time. He's getting comfortable. He's, you know, putting his elbows out and, and getting into the groove. So we'll, we'll see if Daniel's able to, to, to compete. Dan, you know, Daniel's a great guy. He's my second favorite driver personally. So I'm hoping for him to do really, really well. But um, he does need to, you know, push it up a little bit. And the McLaren team, I, I think they're in a good spot. But, you know, they, they really need to start putting extra points because they could, really could be challenging, um, you know, to get up there into those the top two, you know, eventually. But, you know, they really need to be separating from Ferrari who's actually number three in the standings, like as I mentioned, because of two drivers who are consistently doing very, very good. You know, um, looking uh, at uh, both drivers, you know, Charles, um, you know, he's had top ten finishes except one, which is unfortunately the, the fiasco for him at, at, uh, at Monaco, but two pole positions in a row. Now, you know, Ferrari's getting the pole positions, great, that's good for him. It shows how great of a driver he is and then promptly losing it because, you know, the, the Red Bulls and the Mercedes have pace. But they really can't beat themselves about uh, about it uh, too much just because, you know, they weren't expecting to do this anyway. So it shows that they're competitive. It shows that they're definitely improving and there's going to be room for improvement. And then you look on the flip side of it, um, you know, Carlos has only had one race out of the top ten, and that was in Portugal where he was 11th. So, you know, that wasn't far off. He had a podium in, in Monaco. Um, you know, and he's not up there with Charles as much, but he's still up there, which is good. You know, he's getting podiums, he's getting points. Uh, he's number seven currently, at, whereas Charles is number uh, fifth. So there's not that big of a discrepancy between the two. Um, you know, he just needs to tighten it up a little bit on some of his races, some of his starts, you know, so his qualification. Uh, so Charles is clearly the, the, the number one driver at this point, but Carlos is doing just as fine as himself. Um, you know, both of these drivers uh, are, are pretty close together when it comes to their skill set, I think. Uh, Charles is slightly, I think, a little bit more um, aggressive. Uh, Carlos is more methodical, I think. But um, but I think they'll, they'll do great things in this race in France. Uh, you know, look for Charles especially to be coming out blistering and qualifying. Moving on uh, to Alpha Tauri. Uh, you know, Pierre Gasly is sitting up in the eighth spot. He got his first podium, finally. Uh, last weekend, so a lot of people were pretty happy about that. Um, and now he's coming into France, his home race. He's got to be pretty stoked about coming uh, coming home uh, and racing. You know, uh, you know, with with uh, the way his uh, career has gone, I think this is going to be a very good, really good homecoming for him as far as racing wise. So we're expecting him to come out swinging. He's one of those uh, young guys that really has a chip on his shoulder when he wants to have a chip on his shoulder. Um, and, you know, I'm expecting that this week. And part of the reason is because 
skipping away from his teammate real quick is because a fellow Frenchman happened to have happened to have a really good day uh, yesterday. Esteban Ocon, um, who is with the Alpine team, aka the French team, Frenchman with the French team, uh, signed a long-term deal into 2024 um, and is coming into France as of the French driver that's guaranteed to be in Formula 1. Obviously, Pierre is going to be around for a while. He's a very talented driver, but you know that Pierre, you know, whether he was going to sign with Alpine or stay with AlphaTauri or go somewhere else, you know that part of him is saying, man, the French team hired another French driver to be with them long-term and to be sort of the face of French driving. So you know Pierre is going to have a chip on his shoulder, um, and you know he's going to come out trying to do everything possible to get on the podium, maybe even sneak in one of those wins like he had last year. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see if he's able to uh, come out swinging. Uh, and then, you know, you look at his uh, teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, had that great first race where he impressed everyone turned ahead and then had a terrible run of things, at least compared to his teammate, uh, and, you know, some dust-ups with the team, you know, aggressive talking, you know, whether you like that or not. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, they took him offline for a little bit, uh, got him in his simulator, got him, you know, uh, asking questions. And he had a great seventh spot uh, in the last race, um, you know, fin- finishing just behind Fernando Alonso uh, and ahead of a few, everyone else, really. So he got points. You know, he's sitting up at 14th in the points right now. Um, so they're expecting him to, to slowly get these kinks out as a rookie. Um, you know, Yuki's definitely a talented driver. Um, he's had his ups and his downs, but I think that they're they're kind of okay. You know, you you know you're going to make mistakes. You need to learn how to respond from these mistakes. You're not going to like everything. You're going to have to learn. You know, and not everything's going to be centered around you. You know, you're you're Pierre Gasly's your the best driver on your team. You know, so yes, you have to get to the point where you're on his level before you start getting some of the breaks that he does. So we'll see how Yuki does. I mean, you know, coming into France, you really can't tell, uh, but I'm expecting big things out of Pierre. And then moving back out to Alpine real quick, like I said, Esteban signed that big deal. Look for him to come back and say, okay, you know, I really need to show the French crowd that I'm the French driver. You know, he's had a, a up-and-down career, but, you know, really looks to be coming into play in his own. Um, he's had some really good races. Uh, last week was not a good uh, – or last race was not good because he had a retirement, uh, but – Overall, he's been performing well. I know some people are still looking at him in the standings going like, well, it doesn't look like he is, but he's driving well for the car. You know, he's competing with his teammate, Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion. Uh, if he didn't have that retirement uh, last week, you know, or last race, uh, he might be even higher. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. Fernando has seemed to do uh, rebounded well. Like, he, he started off with that weird retirement um, and then two top ten finishes and then fell off and had two terrible races. But came back in Azerbaijan and finished sixth. So I think both of them, um, you know, are, are, are looking to get consistent. Um, they look to be um, driving both a little bit better. You know, they both have their ups and downs throughout the, throughout the season. But uh, we'll, we'll see where they go. Uh, moving on to Aston Martin, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of hype. You know, they had a new livery. They had Sebastian Vettel. Oh, man, this is going to be great. And then the new regs kind of sank them quite a bit. And it was just like, ooh, this is not good. <laughs> this is not going very well. Uh, but then something interesting happened, and I'm going to be the first one to admit that I was wrong. Where I was sitting there a few weeks ago, a few few weeks ago, saying, was it a mistake for Aston Martin to sign Sebastian Vettel? And the last two races, five and two. You know, finishing in the top five in Monaco, that was really cool. Was it a one-off? Okay, whatever. Maybe it is. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? 
And then to finish number two, now granted there was a lot of craziness involved there, but the fact of the matter is he was still competing at the top of, of the of the leaderboard. You know, he, he ran a great race, um, and that was all him, you know. So to see Sebastian Vettel sitting at number nine uh, with two top fives, um, you know, the beginning of the season, 15-15, 13-13, and then five and two. So that's his positions uh, over the last uh, over the season, but the last two races of remarkable improvement. Does he keep that up? I think he does. I think he's going to come out. I think he's in a good groove. He seems to have good headspace um, and seems to be in a really good spot. Conversely, uh, his teammate, Lance, is sitting at number 13. Now, Lance started off with two top 10s um, and then had two terrible races, um, got back into the, uh, into the uh, points in Monaco. The last race, as I mentioned earlier, he had that terrible accident. Lance has been driving consistently good. Um, and I'm, I've said this the entire season. He's driving consistently good. Um, you know, that break last week was was terrible. Um, and like I said, nothing he could do about it. It was a scary crash, and I'm glad he's okay. Uh, but right now, he has to sit there and say, okay, look, I mean, yes, there is a four-time world champion that's ahead of me right now who's had some pretty good performances. I have the same car. You know, I'm technically supposed to be the number one driver. It's his dad's team. So what am I doing wrong? So for Lance, you've got to look to make sure that consistency turns into results. Um, and I think he's due to get some results. So I would, I would not be surprised, um, you know, coming into France and coming into the uh, Syrian, uh, Austrian, I'm sorry, doubleheader, uh, that he's going to uh, come out with a little bit of chip on his shoulder to say, you know, I need to flex out a little bit and, and show where I'm at. Moving on into the back markers here, you know, uh, uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, they've had two drivers finish in the top 10 each of the last two weeks, or two races, I'm sorry. Um, you know, Kimi Raikkonen finishing 10th in Azerbaijan, Antonio finishing uh, 10th in Monaco, getting points that way. They both have a point each, uh, which, you know, I think they're, they can't be too upset about that, beating themselves up. But um, who knows what's going to happen, you know, moving forward. Um, both street circuits, they tended to do better than on the regular uh, regular circuits, and they're moving into regular circuits. So I don't expect too much from from them. It, you know, the street circuits seemed really um, really kind to the Alfa Romeos, uh, kind of like the Ferraris. And that's another thing I, I should have mentioned. The Ferraris seem to do really well on the street circuits as well. Both have Ferrari powered engines. Um, so does that mean there's going to be trouble for Ferrari? Possibly. I'm almost sure there's going to be a drop-off for Alfa Romeo as well when it comes to performance. Um, moving on uh, to, um, you know, uh, next in the points, Mick Schumacher sitting at number 17. So, you know, he should be below that, and he's not. And he's actually he seems to be doing a little bit better than everyone expected. His uh, his teammate Nikita Mazepin uh, is at 19, so they're not last. <laughs> you know, so the Haas team, two rookies, um, we're not expecting too much from them. Um Except, you know, we want to see better results, you know, see better competition, uh, mixing it up with those back markers. And it looks like they kind of have, you know, you know, Mick has had some ups and downs. Same with Nikita. Nikita's had a lot of grief. But last race, 13th and 14th, you know, um, they, they did their best. And they, they seem to be doing okay. Um, there's a little bit of friction between the two. Nikita seems to have friction with a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but last race, it seemed like he pulled one of those uh, horrible defensive moves on Mick and it didn't go over very well. Uh, moving on to our last team, uh, Williams. So uh, Nicholas is in last place. I, again, like, you know, for him, he's got to be a little bit uh, frustrated for, for the fact that both Haas drivers, both rookies are ahead of him. Um, he has had one retirement, um, but at the same time, um, you know, 18, 18, 16, 15, 16, 
Um, you know, just some good qualifying times, so just nothing more than that. George, um, uh, same thing. You know, George has had great qualifying times, getting into Q2 every single race and then falling off the pace. So, you know, as I mentioned before, there's clearly something wrong with the, with the Williams on race day. Qualifying, they seem to do okay, and then once the race starts, dirty air, they get passed and left in the dirt. Um, again, not expected too much from them. An interesting note, though, is talking about George Russell. So with, uh, you know, Esteban Ocon being locked into Alpine, uh, Esteban is also, uh, you know, um, represented by Total Wolf, the Mercedes team principal. And so, you know, that's actually an interesting dynamic because, you know, Esteban technically has ties to Mercedes. So him being locked into Alpine until 2024 means that if Valtteri Bottas or Lewis Hamilton or both leave next year, um, that George Russell, who is a Mercedes driver, now has a better chance of moving into that spot. I think he was still the favorite anyway to, to replace Valtteri Bottas. I, I do think they're going to replace Valtteri, um, but this kind of clears that up a bit. So silly season is already getting a little bit silly uh, as we get in, into, into uh, uh, those moves uh, that continue to happen. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, we are going into a race weekend in France and then back-to-backs in Austria. Um, you know, should be a great race. We're pretty excited about it. Uh, another thing that's going to be happening is the W Series. The W Series is kicking off. I wanted to talk about that because um, that's actually, um, the, you know, the, the all-female single-seater that's going to be starting up uh, this race. Um, we are, you know, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I think that it's going to be a, a, a fun thing to, to see. It's partnering with Formula One. It's opening up to female drivers. Um, and it, there should be a really good, um, there should be a really good vibe for it. I know there's going to be a show that's going to be uh, uh, posted up pretty soon. I think it's already going on live in Europe and everything. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty stoked for it. Um, so that should be kicking off. I think it's the tw- not, not in France. I'm sorry. It's not in France. It's June 26th in Austria. So that's where they're kicking off. So the W Series is going to be uh, two weekends in a row in Austria. Then they're going to be at Silverstone. They're going to be in Hungary. They're going to be in Belgium. They're going to be in the Netherlands. They are coming to the United States and then in Mexico. So they're going to have eight total races. Um, and it's going to be kind of cool because, you know, mixed in with Formula 2, Formula 3. So you should be able to see some great female driving and everything. Um, you know, and personally, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. There's some really good names up there. I'm, of course, going to be rooting for the Americans because, you know, I'm a homer like that. Uh, but I'm just excited to see uh, what they're able to do. Um, but, you know, that should be, uh, that should be a, a fun thing to watch. I'll keep you guys updated on that as well as we kind of uh, move into uh, that, that season. Uh, and also, just so you know, I am also going to mention Formula 2 and Formula 3. I haven't been doing that, but it is a big part of the sport. Um, you know, we, we do have drivers coming up all the time. There's drivers that are reserve drivers. There's drivers that we need to pay attention to. Guan Yu Zhou, Callum Eilat, you know, guys like this who've, made it in Formula 2, who may be getting a seat. Um, so we want to start uh, uh, briefing you guys on that just to keep you in the loop. So we'll be going over that as well. Uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about Formula 1 is obviously going to be the bulk of it. That's what the show is. But we're going to mention Formula 2, Formula 3, and the W Series as well. So on that note, uh, we're going to start wrapping up. I do want to shout out uh, the listeners in New Zealand and in Denmark. Thank you. Those are the new countries added to our list. I also want to thank, uh, call out uh, the people in Howe, Ohio, who listen to us. Um, you know, they, they're uh, pretty regular, and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of regulars out there, but the, the people in Howe, uh, we're really uh, appreciative of you guys listening. 
So I will be following up uh, on Sunday after the race with the French race, um, and we'll kind of do a little bit of preview, you know, since it's a triple header uh, that day for, for, for Austria as well, and just kind of roll with it in that regard. Um, remember to subscribe, Cali Formula One, on Apple and on Spotify. Um, let your friends know. Let everyone know you know, you know uh, about it. We do appreciate it. Uh, we're really glad that we're getting the listeners that we're getting. Uh, and I really want to uh, be excited about what we're going to be doing in the future. So in any case, I uh, hope you all have a great day. And uh, we'll talk to you after hopefully a great weekend of racing. Have a good one. Bye.